Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. I pray this week's sermon will guide you into a deeper understanding of the greatest news in the entire world, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We value the local church at Central Baptist, so while we are thrilled that you are streaming this sermon, we want to make sure that this never replaces your commitment to the local body of believers. If you are in the Maysville area, I am personally inviting you to be a guest at one of our weekly services. Come and join us. I promise you will love it. We are a church committed to loving God, loving each other, and loving our world. So if God is using this to impact your life, please consider partnering with us in spreading the message of Jesus to everyone on the earth. I hope this message helps fix your eyes on Jesus and drives you deeper into the gospel. I wish Lou was here this morning. He said he is down in in Tennessee helping with disaster relief, but uh, talk a little bit about my time in, in PE class back in, in school. And I enjoyed PE because you got to play a lot of a lot of different different games. And my, my favorite probably was, was playing floor hockey. Um, I think in part because I got to you know, tap into my inner Wayne Gretzky and uh, and and take the uh, try to take the puck. And sometimes I got a little too aggressive uh, with it. But my, I'd say my least favorite game in, in, in PE class was, was dodgeball. Because, to be honest, I don't quite have the physique for dodgeball. I mean, picture me about my height and about 75 pounds lighter than I am now. So there is a, a lot of real estate to hit and not a lot of power to retaliate. And so it was probably the least favorite game because I was, well, I would say I was below average at best. But it reminded me of a of the movie Dodgeball. I don't know if you saw it or not, but it kind of pitted the gym called Average Joes. It was just a group of guys that didn't really possess much skill. They just enjoyed coming together and they entered into a into a dodgeball competition. And they went up against the big gym called the Globo Gym. And it kind of ends with, with the average Joes, you might as imagine, kind of, it kind of coming together. And they end up defeating the big dogs. Well, as I was studying for our message that, that this morning, that really, that illustration came to my mind. Because we saw in, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that, that Jesus promised his disciples that, that the Holy Spirit would come down on them and that they would be his witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And now we see this promise coming to fruition in our passage this morning. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, we're going to be looking at verses 4 through through 25 this morning. Acts chapter 8, verses 4 through 25. We see that the gospel has now come to a group called the Samaritans. We see that they are not only hear the gospel, but they are transformed by the gospel. See, the enemies of the church... They tried to, to kill the message. They also tried to kill the messengers of Jesus. But God used evil for good, for the salvation of many. But it wasn't the apostles 
that took the gospel to, to the Samaritans. For they stayed back in Jerusalem and were working there. But it was just the ordinary Christians who sought to take the good news across the world. For you see, every Christian is a missionary. We are all called by God to share the good news wherever God has led you to do so. I mean, have you ever considered that God has sovereignly ordained every single facet of your life to allow you to preach the gospel to those people that you encounter? Whether it's that, that coworker that you see every day in the office, or the, the waitress that's at the restaurant that always likes to wait on you because maybe you're a good tipper. <laughs> or the family member that, that you get to meet, uh, you know, on certain occasions. Maybe it's the, the neighbor who's always asking if they can borrow your tools and they, they never bring it back. <laughs> See, the things that, that you have planned, but even more so, those unplanned times are opportunities that God has sought to bring people into your life for the purpose of you to be able to preach the gospel to them. See, God, he's on a big mission. And we get to be a part of that mission. Author Michael Green says this. He says, as early as Acts 8, we find that it is not the apostles, but the amateur missionaries. The men evicted from Jerusalem as a result of the persecution which followed Stephen's martyrdom, who took the gospel with them wherever they went. It was they who traveled along the coastal plains to Phoenicia, over the sea to Cyprus, or struck up north to Antioch. They were evangelists, just as much as any apostle was. Indeed, it was they who took the, the two revolutionary steps of preaching to Greeks who had no connection with Judaism and then with launching the Gentile mission from Antioch. It was an unself-conscious effort. They were scattered from their base in Jerusalem and they went everywhere spreading the good news which had brought joy, release, and a new life to themselves. This must often have been not formal preaching, but informal chattering to, to friends and chance acquaintances, in homes and wine shops, on walks and around the market stalls. They went everywhere gossiping about the gospel. They did it naturally, enthusiastically, and with conviction of those who are not paid to, to say that sort of thing. Consequently, they were taken seriously. And the movement spread, notably, among the lower classes. We see in, in Luke's historical book here, in the book of, of Acts, that, that he chose to focus on one of these men in particular. There were countless others who, who sought to share the, spread the gospel around, but Luke chose to focus on Philip. We know Philip from a couple of weeks ago where Philip was one of, of the men, he and Stephen, who were called by the apostles to, to serve as deacons to help with the Hellenistic Jews as those, their widows were being neglected. But Philip was later called in Acts, Philip the Evangelist, because 
sharing the gospel was at the heart of his life. And he took it to the, to the Samaritans. Now, the Samaritans, I'm sure you've, you've heard stories of the Samaritans, particularly with Jesus at the well when he was encountering this Samaritan woman. They, they were kind of a, a, an, an odd breed. They didn't really fit in anywhere. They were part Jew, but they were also part Gentile. Now, many Jews considered them to be unclean because they, they're not purebreds. But yet the Gentiles... Also looked down upon them. See, the the Samaritans were were Jews, but they 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 had their own way of of doing things. They worshipped in their own temples. They 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 had their own particular order, the way that they they lived their their life. Now, Philip was a, a Hellenistic Jew. Right, he was a a Greek Jew who went to them, and the Philip had his heart changed. By the gospel. See, it was Jesus who had transformed his heart. I think we can see in this passage that, that we should reject categorizing people groups as, as those maybe being without hope of, of the gospel. I think sometimes we, we, we don't necessarily do this overtly for we know that the gospel is, can, can, can save anyone. But I think we kind of deep down in, in our hearts, sometimes when we, we have enemies, those that have done things, maybe they have, have caused harm to us or our family. Maybe certain people, groups around the world that have sought to cause harm to us as Americans in our country to, to threaten our, our way of life. How would you feel if those people were to be transformed by the gospel and to no longer be considered an enemy, but to be counted as a brother or sister in Christ, as, as a, a friend. I mean, we can even do this with people that we disagree with. Maybe they have different political persuasions than, than we do, or they, they cheer for a different sports team than, than we, we, we have. You know, we, we say that, you know, God, God loves them, but you know what, I really don't want to, to love them. <laughs> I mean, could you imagine, think of your greatest enemy in the world, the person that you dislike the least. Would you be willing to take the gospel to that person? For the gospel is to call to go to all people. Now we see in this, in this passage, let's go ahead and read here, verses 4 through, through 8. We read, now those who were were scattered, went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip. And when they heard him, they, they saw in the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them. And many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. See, we see that, that Philip went to the, the, the Samaritans and, and he was doing miracles and signs of, of wonder. He was doing, practicing exorcisms, calling out demons among those who were possessed. And through doing these, he grasped the attention of the community. 
And in their healings, we saw many people, a revival broke out, and many people came to to Christ. Now, for us in our day and time, should should we expect to have healings and, and exorcisms? Well, I think it's helpful for us to remember that the book of Acts is is an historical book written to about a specific people and a specific time. It's not necessarily that everything we read in the in Acts is is commending us to to do those same practices. So my advice to us is that we should not start an exorcism ministry, a part of our church. But I do believe that God does heal people today. He may not do it always in the way that we see in the book of, of Acts, but God is very at work in the hearts and the lives of people today. Now we see next that, that Philip encounters a certain man named Simon. Now Simon was a magician. He was a, a sorcerer. And we see kind of pitted between magic versus the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's continue a reading here, verses 9 through 13. It says, But there was a man named Simon who had previously practiced magic in the city and amazed the people of Samaria, saying that he himself was somebody great. They all paid attention to him. From the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the power of God that is called the great. And they paid attention to him because for a long time he amazed them with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Even Simon himself believed. And after being baptized, he continued with Philip. And seeing the signs and great miracles performed, he was amazed. Now the Samaritans, they were amazed by this magician named Simon. He put on a great show. He could wow the audience. He knew how to to draw them in. But he did so in order to, to build himself up. He sought to make his name great. In fact, Simon was was a deceiver. He was a liar, for he had a wrong view of himself. He's what we would call today a false prophet. Because true prophets seek to to direct praise to God, not to themselves. And he saw saw Philip's teaching, and he's like, whoa, we got this new guy on the block here, and the things he's doing, these miracles and signs and wonders, calling demons out of people, and the crowds are no longer coming to see me, but they're going to to see this guy Philip. Now, oftentimes, and maybe you've seen this today, that people are, are power hungry, that the best way to increase your power is to, to leech on to somebody else who's got more power than you. You know, you want to be associated with them because maybe, you know, a little bit of that might rub off on you. So he saw Philip's teaching as a means to, to grow his own greatness. But the thing is, salvation is, unless we see ourselves is what we really are as, as sinners. We will never see ourselves in need of a Savior. When we don't think that we, we have a lot of sin in our lives, then we don't really think we need a, a Savior. And oh, we are, we are wretched, wretched people. So we are in great need of, of a Savior. See, people today, we're, we're also susceptible to, to charlatans. 
you know, at a, somebody that's selling other, something other than, than what the, the Bible teaches. It just doesn't take long to turn on the TV and you can turn and see preachers out there saying that, you know what, if you, you hold your hands up to the TV, I'll provide healing and then you write me a good check and then, you know, the blessings will come later all the while they're flying around the world in multi-million dollar jets and living in uh, mansions all across the, the country. See, we need to make sure that we always, what is taught, and the same is for me, what is taught in our pulpits, what is taught in churches all across the world, that it is backed up by what is really taught in Scripture. See, the Samaritans, they, they had shifted that attention from Simon to, to Philip. And, and so uh, we, can, we can say that, that Simon had an insincere, an insincere faith. We see that Simon, he, he says that, that he too believed and he was in fact baptized. But was he really saved? See, faith that does not transform our lives is not a saving faith. We can call ourselves Christians and maybe you've even, you know, kind of done the, the ceremonial aspect that Christians do. But if your life is not truly transformed by the gospel then you're not truly saved. See, people must see themselves as lost, as helpless or weak without God before we can be saved. If you come before thinking, you know what, God, you need me on your team. Oh, do you got another thing coming to you? But in the spite of this, this controversy here, the gospel triumphed. Many involved in, in, in magic and in witchcraft they ended up bowing their knees in true repentance to King Jesus. The gospel, it can impact anyone. And through Philip's preaching, the gospel, God gave light to the blind. Now we see some other characters that, that, that come in. We see the apostles come in to, to verify the work of, of Philip. Let's look at, read here verses 14 through 17. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, who came down and prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For he had not yet fallen on, for, on any of them, but they had not only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. This passage, right, these verses right here are some of the more difficult verses to, to understand in the Bible. We have some views would treat this that the Samaritans are, are saved, but they're, they're not fully saved yet because they had not yet received the Holy Spirit. And that, 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 that receiving of the Spirit would, would come later, and it's usually accompanied by the speaking in, in tongues. Now, there are, are different uh, groups of Christians that, that believe this to, to, to the very day. They, they would take this as a, a prescription, meaning that because it happened in the book of Acts, it is, it is uh, important for us as, as well. But remember, my first caveat is that we need to read the book of Acts in its historical context. Right? It was written to a, about a specific place and a specific time. 
So not everything we read in the Bible is prescriptive, meaning that we need to do it today. I believe that my view differs than that uh, from our other brothers who believe that, that in order to be fully saved, you must have received the Holy Spirit at a later time and be able to, to speak in tongues. Uh, you see, the Spirit, I believe, that was withheld until the apostles could come to verify the work. Remember, we're still in the infant stages of, of Christianity here. And so the, 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 the different disciples, Philip being one of them, were, were sent out, yet the apostles kind of stayed behind in, in Jerusalem. We also need to, to remember the, the group of people that, that Philip was going to, the, the Samaritans. People that really didn't fit in and in many ways could have caused great division in the church if things were not dealt with properly. So the Spirit was withheld until the apostles could come to verify that work. I will do that, that, that sometimes with, uh, we, we, especially when I was a children's minister. I would have parents come to me and saying that their, 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 their son or daughter had, had, had talked with them and want to become, become Christians and had put their faith in, in Christ. And I said, that is, that's great. And, and I said, let's, I'd love to sit down with, with you and, and them to hear their story. And most of the time that I did that is I believe they had a, a genuine uh, uh, salvation experience. But there was a time or two occasionally where, you know what, I didn't feel that they, that they, they had a, a proper view of, of their sin and of, of, of God's saving work. And, and so it was kind of, I was verifying what the, the parents had, had, um, had, had encountered with them. Now, the verification here doesn't show that, uh, that, that, uh, um, that, that they're above or uh, beyond Philip, but it, it shows here that, that uh, they were coming to, to show that there was no question that the gospel was for all nations. By them coming and imparting the Holy Spirit on them at this unique time was a testament to the whole world that the apostles are kind of putting their stamp and seal of approval on this. And that we are affirming that the Samaritans are worthy and they are valuable in the kingdom of God. But we see that that Simon the magician comes up again in this story and causes even, even more controversy. And we have a confrontation between him and the apostle Peter. Let's read here verses 18 through 24. Now when Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me this power also, so that anyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Repent, and therefore, of this wickedness of yours, and pray to the Lord that, if possible, the intent of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the gall of bitterness and in the bond of iniquity. And Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that nothing of what you have said may come upon me. Simon sees what that the apostles are imparting the Holy Spirit among the people, and he says, I want to get in on that. And he thinks that, well, 
Money is the way to, uh, to, to get, gain the Spirit's power. But you can't manipulate the Holy Spirit. See, Simon had a misunderstanding of who God is and of the grace that he offers us. And Peter condemns Simon as the one who does not have Christ's salvation. Simon had a wrong view of salvation. Pastor John MacArthur says this, he says, True salvation is not mere profession or ritual act. It is the divine transformation of the soul from love of self to love of God, from love of sin to love of holiness. Simon was still in it for himself. He thought, I want to have the power that these apostles have. And he did what he knew what to do. He thought, well, you get it, you need to pay for it. But we see that Peter rebukes him, and he does so pretty strongly with his rebuke, but, but Simon needed it. And we don't see that, 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 that Peter did so in, a, in a, um, uh, an unloving type of way. In fact, it was a very loving that he calls him to repentance. For even in Simon's sin, even in the fact that he was wanting to do harm by becoming a false prophet, that Peter calls him to repent. And to truly give his life to Jesus. In this, we see, we see two important lessons here. One, we see that the Holy Spirit is not for sale. God gives it to whom he pleases. We can't purchase our salvation. I read a story about a, 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 um, a, a pastor and, and his family. And, and, and uh, they were getting older in their years. And they decided they wanted to, to, to buy a house. So they, they ended up uh, finding a house, that was, I think it was a for sale by, by owner, and they go to this, this couple and they, they said, we would like to you know, make an offer to, to buy your, your home. And it was an unbelieving couple, they were not Christians. And they, they said, oh, you all are, 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 are your minister, right? Yes, yes. And they said, well, you know what, we, we would like to, to give you this house, but we would like what you've got as well. They thought that by giving them the house, they could, they could purchase their, their own salvation, kind of get right with, with God in that. And the minister said, oh, no, that's, that's not the way it, it, it works. Salvation is only through Jesus Christ and Him alone. And they ended up believing in the gospel, repenting of their sin, and, and even then they, they still ended up giving this couple that house. But they did not do so in a means to earn their salvation. They did so out of the the graciousness of the grace that God had, had given them. See, the gifts that are given to us by the Holy Spirit, they're not to be used to, to benefit us, to make us, uh, to gain glory for ourselves. No, they are to be used for the church and for His kingdom. Second lesson we should see is that, that we should marvel at God's amazing grace. You know, I kind of feel a little bad for Simon, the magician. Because he, he didn't realize that, that the gospel frees us of the addiction to ourselves, to our possessions. He just kept doing what he had always done. And he thought this was a means to, to make himself better. But I don't feel sad though. For that lack of understanding that happened. 
because he wanted his own glory and power. Peter gave him that opportunity to, he gave him that gift to repent of his sin and be, and be forgiven. I think sometimes we, we do, we try to, to earn favor with God. We think that, you know what, I've got some, uh, I've got some bad things in my life. But instead of repenting of them and, and turning from that sin and turning to God, we think that if I can do more good things for God or for the church, that, that it will outweigh this, this bad that I've, I've done. What a painful state to live in, guys. Because the, the scales will, will never balance. And in fact, it is a miserable way to live because you're going to keep dying, trying to do good and good, and yet your sin is always going to keep you from Him. The good news is, is that we don't have to live in that life. That we have the opportunity to repent, which just means to turn away from that sin, to, to die to ourselves and to our sin and to, and to turn to Jesus, who has his arms open wide for us and says, just come and, and follow me. We see, lastly, that the apostles did more preaching of the gospel. Look at verse 25. And it says, Now when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. The apostles kept on, on preaching. They didn't let Simon get them off track. No, they, they dealt with him in a lovingly and in a, a bold way. But they kept on preaching the gospel to village after village after village. So we have some gospel applications for us in these verses. The first one is, is that we must proclaim the gospel. We must proclaim the gospel. We've got to do so with our mouths. The gospel is a message that must be heard and it must be believed in and it must be responded to. It's not enough for us to just live out the gospel. For there are people that are, are not followers of Christ that live good lives. But I hear so many times, well, I'm, I'm being a Christian by people can see that I, I do good things. And that's great. We, we need to do that. It is a both and. It's not a one or the other. We need to live lives that represent Jesus Christ. But we also must verbally proclaim the good news of Christ. And we also must present it in a way that calls them to repent and believe. Sometimes we, we think that, that, that sharing a Bible verse or, 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 or talking about Jesus is the gospel. And we did a series when I first came on Sunday nights on, on exactly how, what is the gospel and how are we to, to share it. And when we talk about the gospel, we need to make sure that we give those that we proclaim it to the opportunity to repent and believe. But secondly, we need to proclaim the gospel in various situations. Proclaim the gospel in various situations. You know, in, in uh, Matthew 18, we see the, the Great Commission. 
Go ye therefore into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. The the verb to go is really translated into as you are going. You know, we think that that, that, uh, we're to, to, to a specific event to go. Maybe it's to go on a mission trip to take the gospel. That's the great commission. And yes, that is part of it. But I think what Jesus is getting at is that we need to, in every area of our life, to be going, sharing the gospel. See, all of us have different connections. Right? We all have our own workplaces where we work. We have our own families that we gather with. We have our own circle of friends that we, that we, we live, out, live with and we engage in. We have our own hobbies and activities that we like to take part of. And as we go to those things, we need to be thinking, how can we use these avenues to proclaim the gospel? And lastly, we need to proclaim, praise God for his work of salvation among the nations. Praise God for his work of salvation among the nations. We don't save anybody. It is God who does the saving We are called to be faithful to take the message that he has given us to them. So we need to praise God for his work. And we do a pretty good job of that as as a church. Every week we have our missions moments where we we talk about missionaries and we pray for them and the work that they are doing in, in our own country and around the world it, and we, we, we study about missions and missionaries and, and we praise God for the work that he is doing. But as we close, as the kind of something that you can take with you this week, as you live, live out your, your life this week, is I want you to consider three specific actions that you can take to share the good news of salvation through Christ to others this week. What are three things that, that you can do to take the gospel to those people as you are going in a counter this week? Maybe it's to, to pray that God would give you somebody to, on your heart to, to reveal somebody that you know that needs salvation. I think one of the questions, you know, comments that, that, that I get is that, well, I just don't know any lost people. That, that I don't really encounter them and as they're all around us. First step, we need to pray that God would, would, would bring them, uh, reveal them to us. And also, just to pray for opportunities to, to share the gospel. So what are three things that, that you can take this week to share the good news of salvation? Would you pray with me, please? Heavenly Father, thank you for uh, your word. God, we're thankful that the The gospel was not contained to Jerusalem. It wasn't only for the the Jews. We got that the gospel broke down all barriers. But the gospel cannot be contained to a geographic area. It cannot be contained to one people group. But the gospel is for all people everywhere. Oh, how grateful that we are that the gospel is for us. God, we thank you for sending your son Jesus down to to die on the cross for our sins so that we might be saved. God, I pray that if there's any here this morning that have not yet 
turn from their sin and turn to, to Jesus and to put their faith and trust in the gospel and Jesus alone. God, I pray that they would do so this morning. For it is the life-transforming power of the gospel that, that not only gives us hope for this life, but for eternity. God, I pray for us, those of us that are, are believers, that we would continuously seek to point others to Jesus, to de- deflect fame and notoriety from ourselves, but to give praise and honor to Jesus and to you alone. To help us to, to see who we really are, sinners in, in need of a great Savior. May we embrace the free gift of grace that you gift us, that we don't deserve, but you freely gave anyway. And God, may we seek to make the gospel message known to those that we encounter here each and every day in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God is inviting you to be a part of this story He is writing throughout the ages to come. He is offering salvation to you today, which is your invitation to the rescue God offers. You can embrace the rescue of God by simply admitting your need to God, asking Him to forgive you, trusting in Jesus alone to rescue you, and following Jesus Christ, the King of your life and faith from this day forward. If you would like to give your life to Jesus, go to God in prayer and confess your need for Him and that you choose to follow Him. If you have chosen to follow Jesus, please let us know. We want to continue to pray for you and to send you some resources to help you to grow in your faith. Well, I hope you enjoyed this sermon, and I look forward to seeing you in person at one of our weekly services. Could you do me a favor? Please like our Facebook page at facebook.com slash cbcmaysville and share or comment on the things that we post because it helps others to hear about Jesus. God bless.